Welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast that knew Alabama would be good this year. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother who's as smooth as Devontae Smith. Oh, that is so me, Ryan Newman. And by the other brother who's as thick as Najee Harris. With two C's, Trey Newman. All right. Uh, On today's episode, we are going to recap, of course, the national championship, Alabama's dominating victory over Ohio State. Uh, We're going to discuss the 2020 Alabama's team, uh, their place in history, along with uh, some of the cast of characters, Nick Saban, Devontae Smith, where they stack up with with those before them. Uh, We're also going to discuss Jim Harbaugh's contract extension at Michigan, Boise State's hire of Andy Avalos. Uh, also, be sure to follow us on social media at CFB Bros. Subscribe on YouTube for additional episodes and subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash college football bros. We've got tons of bonus episodes up there, including one that is uh, we're going to be releasing. It's probably already out as you're, you're listening to this. We looked ahead to the 2021 season. We talked about the players, coaches, teams and storylines that we're, we're most looking forward to in 2021. So check all of that out, but let's uh, let's get to the game. Let's get to Alabama beating Ohio State fifty-two to twenty-four. Trey, what'd you see here? Yeah, I mean Alabama was head and shoulders the the clear better team, and they were really going to win no matter what. I mean they were superior. Uh, it was really an offensive clinic, much of what we had seen the whole season. Uh, Ohio State, in order for them to have any chance, they needed everything to go perfect and even have Bama screw up. Obviously, that that didn't happen. In fact, Ohio State had a few guys out due to COVID. Uh, Trey Sermon got knocked out really early in the first quarter, which obviously hurt. Uh, Sean Wade in the secondary looked like it it had most of the uh, the rest of the year kind of outside of that Clemson game. Uh, yeah, the game ended up being boring, and but it's hard not to sit back and watch that Bama offense and not enjoy it. I mean, it's just insane how good of a night they had and then how good of a season they had when you put it all together. Like, it was funny watching Devontae Smith. He was setting records in the first half of that game. You know, I'm not saying it's easy to slow him down, but Ohio State didn't do anything to slow him down. It seemed like every time he caught it, he had like five yards of space uh, of separation. It it was wild. Um, So what else did you guys kind of take away from this? Well, you know, obviously you touched on – Bama's offense going up against Ohio State's defense, but going on the flip side, I thought Bama's defense, they really, they stepped up here. They, ever since that mid-season, you know, game, well, kind of early in the season, I guess, against Ole Miss, I mean, they turned it up and they were a different defense. I mean, Florida, of course, put up some numbers on them, but Florida had an uh, elite offense, of course, and they made it every, you know, they made that that uh, game as difficult as could be for Florida. Um, but in this one, I mean, the Ohio State's a really good offense, a very, very good offense. We just saw what they did to, to Clemson. I mean, they just made them look like chumps. And, you know, they had Alave, they had Garrett Wilson, they still had Justin Fields, I mean, that, and a really good offensive line. So, Bama just had their way. Christian Barmore was a beast on the defensive line. He was really, really tough to handle. Like a sack and a couple of tackles for loss. And I think he forced a couple of penalties. Um, the, the secondary was good. Brian Branch had three passes deflected and uh, Sertan had one. So the secondary was, was playing well. Uh, Dylan Moses and Christian Harris were good on the, in the, on the kind of the middle of that D. So, you know, they were stepping up and 
I don't think Ohio State's offense was maybe as bad as it. Well, I mean, it's not bad at all, but I don't think they. I think they were better than they played in my eyes for sure. Like they honestly they got down to thirty five seventeen. It's just so hard to keep up. Like you just kind of get away from who you are when you have to go up against like a juggernaut. If they were going up against a somewhat average, below average, or somewhat less potent offense, they would have been able to move the ball a lot better because they could have stuck to their game plan and things just kind of got away from them. But that just shows you how good Bama is. That Ohio State just yeah. dominated Clemson, yet they couldn't keep up. Yeah, Bama's defense did did show up in this game for sure. Like Fields, I definitely wouldn't say he was bad. This game was definitely not lost because of him he missed a couple throws but he also had some some great throws some great touchdown passes so well one great touchdown pass but uh yeah i mean i think the what i was most impressed with in this game was steve sarkeesian maybe uh just the i mean obviously he's got all that talent to work with but like you said like they know Devonte smith is getting the ball ohio state knew it everyone in the stadium knew it because they were going to him every time in that first half and He's just he puts them in different spots like that one play that that touchdown pass where he's they set Devonte Smith in motion and you can see the yes. the DB assigned Boy, to him he's kind of like you know going back and forth and right when the ball snaps it, he's done like Devonte Smith is is free so it's uh, I guess easier said than done to you could try and double well, him but I like the play where he was being set in motion was that the one you're talking about he's being set in yeah. motion and then he turned on a dime and then he just turned on a dime. And just went the other way, and it's like oh, because he was running to the right, and then he runs back to the left, and he runs back to the right, right as they're snapping it. It's just that's very hard to defend. Yeah, that I know that play you guys are talking about. The other part about Sarkeesian was there was a play where um, so early in the game, Browning, Ohio State's linebacker, forced a fumble. Well, they bet a couple a few drives later, they they drew up a similar play where they let Browning come clear off the edge, and Jones knew it. And he turned his back, but as soon as as soon as Browning was about to, you know, sack him, he threw it right over the top, right where the blitz came from, from Browning right to Najee Harris, who made an acrobatic catch. But um, that was a couple plays that Sarkeesian like was masterful. Yeah, he was. And Bama's big three showed up. So we've let's put some numbers to Devonte Smith: twelve catches, two hundred fifteen yards, three touchdowns in the first half. Yeah, <laughs> he unfortunately got injured right at the beginning of that that second half. Um, Thankfully, it looks, model, by like the way, played as well. Not a huge deal. One crucial catch. Uh, Najee Harris, 158 all-purpose yards, three touchdowns. He had that catch that you talked about, Trey. He had one play near the goal line where he got just level, well, seemingly leveled, but he yeah. didn't even move. Um, didn't get a touchdown there, but still impressive. Um, so he was good. And then Mac Jones. I feel like his performance if if he were any other player on any other team, we'd be talking about this is the greatest performance in championship history. He was 36 of 45, 464 yards, and five touchdowns. Yeah. Yet he didn't win the, the MVP of the game. Devontae Smith did. And Devontae Smith deserved it. Oh, I mean, either one of them would have been a fine yeah. choice, but just crazy. Somehow, maybe because of that one fumble, like all of a sudden, it's yeah. like, oh, you know, hurts him. But I mean, he was <laughs> like all year. He was he was spectacular under underappreciated how how awesome he was. How cocky of a move was Devonte Smith rocking the Heisman mask, too. That's awesome. That was awesome. Yeah. Hey, he earned it. <laughs> he did. Um. All right. Let's see. Any other comments from the game? I've got a couple notes here, actually, from the end of it. So Landon Dickerson, of course, Alabama's in yes. and are getting in at the end to to do a, a final snap. That was pretty cool. Get a national championship snap. 
And then uh, Chris Fowler at the, the final call. I don't. Did you notice that Trey? It looks like you noticed it. He he kind of well, botched it. He botched it a little bit, which is just bad timing. So right as the as Bama does their last kneel down, he says, "In a season of chaos, the Crimson Tide are the conference." I think he meant the Constance, but anyway. Yeah, he. he <laughs> I know a little struggling. something about messing up, so I should. Yeah, we all do. And like it really did not matter. It wouldn't have had any impact on the game, but it was interesting when Ryan Day decided to kick a field goal when they were down at like the four yard line. I think it was the six. Was it? Was it not? Oh, okay, or? even if it's the six, I mean, Whatever it's like it you get to a point where you're going up against those guys, and you can kind of already see how it's going. Like you need touchdowns. It wouldn't have mattered. It was just a point yeah. that I made a note during yeah. the game, but no right. bearing on the result. Yep. Yeah. yeah, you yeah, I mean in order to win you have to be aggressive in every single way and you know I mean it didn't matter if he did but no nah. I hear you on that. Okay, well let's uh let's talk about let's zoom out a little bit talk about Alabama's place in history. So we'll start I'll start with Nick Saban. Um I just think if he hadn't already, which I think he had, but he has just even more cemented himself as the best coach in college football history. So he's got seven national championships now that breaks the tie with Bear Bryant. And he's done it in an era where there's scholarship limits. So theoretically, it should be harder to, to build a dynasty like this. And he's done it at two different schools. Of course, LSU won a championship there. Um, and in the SEC, the, what has been clearly the best conference overall for the you know, past decade plus. So, yeah. I mean, he's, he's the best. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's really not a, a huge debate anymore, I feel like. I mean, he's, he's the guy, like. Yeah, maybe if uh, three or four years ago, before he got these last two, maybe. But now it's just no, nah, it's it's him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, moving on to the next one here is this Alabama's is this current run that they've been on with Saban is that like the greatest greatest dynasty that's ever been? I'm gonna say yes. Now, um, I mean it's it's been super impressive, and the main reason is not necessarily just because of their overall record, maybe, but just because they've capitalized and won national titles. Um, you know, some teams have had great runs and they've won a ton of games somewhat comparable to this Alabama run, but they just didn't capitalize with the, like every other year, essentially winning a national title. So like you could look at, you know, Tom Osborne's 25 year run at Nebraska. He never had a year where he lost more than three games. So he was constantly there, but he only won three national titles in those 25 years. You know, Saban's doubled that in half the time. So, I mean, it's just not yeah. even it's not even a comparison. I mean, Tom Osborne was great, but Osborne, uh, Saban's even better. Bobby Bowden at Florida State had a great run in the late 80s and 90s, but he only won two national titles. Uh, Bud Wilkinson's OU's team in the 50s, um, they were awesome. They only lost like eight games in 11 years, but just three national titles. So, you know, and then you can go back even further to the Newt Rockney and Notre Dame name years. But, you know, it's just... To me, it is. They've had it for what since twelve years, thirteen years now, and just they've been the best team. So it's. I do think this yeah. is the greatest run. I mean, you just look. I go to their their football reference page and just look at the losses the last fourteen years. It's like one or two or zero every single year. It's insane. I think. Yeah. I think he had three one time, maybe. Like okay, and, and obviously the first was year was six and six or something. Well, besides the first year, yeah, yeah. And there's yeah. not many games that are like blowouts. Like he say they win the the kick six game they're they're right there maybe win another national title like it's yeah it's amazing how they don't even when they lose they don't get demolished i mean there's a couple in there but uh yeah, yeah. and and then 
you know, shifting gears when you look at Devontae Smith. Um, granted, I mean, he still played 13 games in the in the end, which is which is good, but not the a true full um, season nowadays where some of the guys are playing 14, 15, um, depending on the, the circumstances. But like if you kind of scale his stats, they're just astounding. I mean, that's why you, we haven't we've only seen less than a handful of wide receivers win the Heisman trophy. And there was really no debate. Like you could have made a case for the other guys, but no one scoffed at, at him winning the the Heisman. Like, and then he, what's great about it was he totally validated it in the first half against yeah. Ohio state. Like everyone knew what he was going to do and he still just did it. And he looks so smooth, like for being undersized, he can make great acrobatic sideline catches. He can kind of go over the middle. He can return punts. Um, like, he's a player that's kind of generational that he's not, your just your prototypical like tall wide receiver, throw it up to yeah. him. He can go grab it. Like that's why he's going to be stuck in my memory just because of how diverse he was and how he used his undersized, his size actually to his advantage. And he just glides out there. He's so fun to watch. And so historically quick. he's got to be one of the best receivers out there. Yeah. He's, he's got an argument for, you know, best all time. Yeah. Certainly when you say most accomplished, because his freshman year, he catches the game winning uh, yeah. touchdown in the national championship. Uh, his let's see his um, last year's junior year. He was in a loaded receiving core with Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs who got drafted first round. Waddle was there of course, and he led that unit in receiving yards. And then this year, obviously winning the Heisman, the Bolitnikoff yeah, national championship award. MVP in the championship. Hard to hard to beat that in terms yeah. of accomplishment. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how about I'm going to go to Mac Jones. Where does where does he stand in history? And I'll just say statistically, it's the most efficient passing season in college football history. Seventy seven point four percent completions. That's better than Joe Burrow last year. Eleven point two yards per attempt. Also better. He had a lower interception percentage. His pass efficiency rating of two hundred three point one the best in college football history, his QBR on ESPN highest that they've ever recorded. So just statistically that the passing efficiency is incredible. I'm not saying he's the best quarterback or, or even that this was the best season a quarterbacks had. I I would say neither of those things are true. You got to adjust for the talents around him, the offensive line receiving core he has, and and just the fact that he doesn't add anything in, in the running game, but the stats themselves are crazy. Unbelievable. It's crazy just how, like, uh, you know, after Joe Burrow, you know, just the the very next year, we like Joe Burrow. I mean, he easily won the Heisman last year. It was just a no brainer, and stats were just through the roof. It's like, oh my gosh, this is insane. And then Mac just like one ups it almost essentially. Yet he doesn't win the Heisman, but yeah, wow, it was crazy. Yeah, the I looked at the the top five list of the the top five seasons in terms of pass efficiency rating number one on the list like i just said is mac jones number two is last year uh joe burrow and then number three two of them t- trey you're gonna do you have it no two i think it's, it's five years in a row it's been broken five years in a row there you go that's yeah it's just every year someone breaks it like Ooh. it had gone Who for a while it but it yeah i know it five years in a row the the greatest pass efficiency that's, it's I'm going to say that ends next year. With Baker and <laughs> yeah, Tyler. It's hard and... To be. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, who's going to do it? Rattler. Rattler could he could have a pretty darn good one. Bryce Young. Bryce uh, Young. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about that. Who younger? It's just. Yeah. It's yeah. just amazing. This era. Yeah. It's crazy. Okay. Um, 
So how about the uh, the 2020 Alabama team? Just just the yeah. whole team. Are they in the discussion for for best ever, Ryan? Uh, I don't think so. I I, I mean, you could uh, okay in the discussion maybe, but like, are they are they legitimately? No, they're not. Um, I probably wouldn't even put them in my top ten. Whoa, you know, whoa, just, top ten. It, well, you know, yeah, right around that spot. Just right, because name of, you know, name if, all 10. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. If if you look at their whole body of work, I mean, yeah, if you look at the playoff, they were dominant, of course, no doubt about it. They kicked butt, but look at the other, the whole rest of the season. They they almost lost to Ole Miss. That was just a game that was back and forth the whole way. It was neck and neck the entire way. Don't shake your head at me. That was neck and neck. The I'm not way. shaking my head. I'm, <laughs> come on, I'm just listening. <laughs> They gave up like 48 points. and it was I t- tilted my head like, okay, that's a good yeah. point. All right, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, listening. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then when you go to the Georgia game, yes, they ended up winning by, I think it was 17. <laughs> Mike's shaking his head now. <laughs> Georgia game, they were losing in the second half, right? And they needed a, a little bit of a late comeback. I know they ended up winning semi-comfortably, of course, but it was that well, was with Stetson Bennett as Georgia's quarterback who let's just say is not a stellar quarterback. Um, and then of course, in the SEC title game versus Florida team that lost four games, um, they only beat them by five and Florida had the ball last. If they had like 30 more seconds, maybe that game was a little different. So uh, I just don't think with those few kind of games, there's some weaknesses that you can point to when you're talking about greatest teams of all time. What weaknesses can you point to? They have a few uh, as far as games that they've played. There's some teams that maybe only have one, some like maybe, I mean, of course, 95 Nebraska is the team that really just has, I had to put that in there. It's the only team that yeah. really has zero. They beat everybody by 14 or more. It was just dominated everybody. And they beat the number two team by like 38. But um, I, they're really, really good. No, but I just can't put them near, like at the top-ish, just not quite there. I mean, for me, they're they're definitely in the discussion. Um, at, the, at the moment, this offense, I think, is the best ever, might be be better than LSU's the last year. I just, for me, when I answer these questions, especially right now, as we just kind of talked about, I need more time to digest it and kind of gain perspective. Like with the same with the way we, when we answered this question for LSU at this time last year, you know, I want to go ahead five years and kind of reflect back and, and see again, because like we talked about with the uh, quarterback efficiency, it's like every year there's a new standard bear. Um, and so, you know, overall, some of the metrics would point to this team being near the near the top. What they just did to a really good Ohio State team is crazy. Um, they won 11 games in the SEC, which is, is great. I'd argue that this wasn't one of their traditionally dominant SEC years um, as years passed. So, you know, that may be a, a slight knock, but they were still pretty dominant. Um, they, their, their scoring differential was 29 point, an average of 29 points. If you look at the last 25 national champs, that's ninth. Um, so, you know, there was still some room there. Uh, but, you know, you factor in COVID, what they overcame there. That's a feather in their cap. I just want to avoid some recency bias, long answer, um, and kind of I like yeah, that stat you just take said perspective. There. Points per game differential. You know, that was Yeah, good. I mean, maybe if you got to add maybe one. Yeah. You had or two cupcakes, of, uh, cupcakes, but yeah. it, wouldn't have, it wouldn't have gone up good that point. much more. Yeah. Could have bumped them up a few spots. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, short answer. I think they should be in the discussion. I probably wouldn't I or I wouldn't have them number one, but you go thirteen and zero against an all power five schedule. You win every single game but one by double digits, at least double digits, as we like to say. <laughs> nice. But um I know a couple of those double digit wins maybe at, at one point were close, but still that's ultimately it's hard to 
you know, they're in the discussion, in, in my opinion. Yeah, fair enough. All right, let's uh, let's. It's which is such an easy thing to say. We can discuss. Yeah, them. I mean, like you know, we can discuss twenty teams. Are they are they in the discussion? Compare them to ninety five Nebraska. Are they in the discussion there? I don't know. It's yeah. when I look at the the greatest team ever. The first thing I'm looking at is like, did you kill everyone? Yeah, and exactly. so that's why, like last year with LSU, I mean, their resume is impressive in terms of like the ranked teams they beat and those last three games. But then you look at, and we're getting off topic here, but you look at earlier in the season, you know, they they won by seven against Texas. They had, uh, I think, they won by three against Auburn. They they had some close games in there. So I, I also feel like that's that's a knock. I also like to look like their offense was off the charts good, but Bama's defense was like. It was semi vulnerable. Like it wasn't, you wouldn't say that is like the number one or number two defense in mm-hmm. the country. It was, exactly. I mean, it was legit. Of course, it won the national title, but it wasn't like they didn't have two number one units. Not that that yeah, should exactly. be the only criteria. Yeah. That, that front seven was not like some of the, the great Alabama front sevens of five, six years ago. Uh, okay. Yep. Let's, uh, let's move away from the national championship. Congrats to Bama. Um, you guys really could use a break. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, share a little bit coaching carousel we got jim harbaugh receiving a new five-year contract at michigan he's going to get four million per year plus incentives so that is up to a 50 percent pay cut and the buyout is only going to be four million next year and it's going to go down every year after that uh trey what are your thoughts on this deal makes sense uh for both sides you know like you just mentioned it gives michigan the opportunity to fire him without a massive dent to the bank account if if not be at the end of next year uh, and you know it's even though it's kind of silly they need this length of a contract for recruits um like i said i think it's silly just because you know recruits should realize that he's on the hot seat regardless of how many years he has on his contract um but it's also really good for michigan in the sense because if he does turn it around this is a bargain for what harbaugh would be on an open market yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think you put it well. I think it's uh, if you weren't going to fire him, which I I personally didn't think they should. I would understand if they they did. But, you know, they were winning nine, ten games pretty much every year. But before and this year you had a down year. But I think it's worth one more shot uh, next year. See if he can he can get it turned back around. And uh, um, it, it's just it's not you, you didn't put yourself in any worse situation because next year if he sucks and and you want to fire him it's either way it's going to cost you eight million because if you just kept his current deal he had one year left for eight million next year all right then he would have played that out and you would have paid him eight million and and he's gone well now he's getting a four million dollar per year contract and the buyout's four million so it's it's you're no worse off here yeah no i mean this is it makes sense uh for for michigan here there's really not a whole lot of downside other than maybe for fans that just are impatient and just want to move on and gain excitement from having a new coach um, you know, business wise and potentially football wise. I mean, it could be good. Like we've all on this podcast been, been Harbaugh fans and just one kind of down year doesn't necessarily mean you're done. Uh, we've seen, he can come back. They're still going to have a lot of talent. Um, and we'll see how they, how they can progress, but you know, I, I think it makes sense. And it's just kind of makes it the, the, the uh, divorce a little easier here in the future if it does happen. Yeah. If the, if the buyout were big on this contract, I think we'd all be saying, what are you doing? But it's not. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And maybe they, maybe they put feelers out who maybe if who they wanted to be a head coach, maybe, 
they were like, hey, there's just and they didn't get maybe the reception that they wanted or something. There's like, hey, well, we might as well stick with what we got for now. I don't know. It's just a thought. Yeah, could be. Uh, all right. Moving on to Andy Avalos, Oregon's defensive coordinator. He's going back to Boise State to replace Brian Harson as their next head coach. What do you think here, Ryan? Yeah, I think this is good. Uh, it's a perfect fit, seems like. I mean, of course, he was he was a star linebacker for them in the early 2000s. Uh, he, he coached there for several years. Um, and he's did well at Oregon as the Oregon defense coordinator the last couple of years, kind of up the profile of that defense, especially in 2019. Um, they were ninth in the country in scoring defense. So that's that's saying something when you're in the Pac-12 and Oregon, not necessarily known for a dominant D. So he did some remarkable stuff there. And I know this year they kind of slipped. Um, I think they were, you know, averaged around 28. They gave up, but they had some crazy opt outs. And uh, we all kind of know how that affected them. Um, probably uh, really a lot. And they, of course, with COVID and stuff, it was just so weird. But um, I think it's a good hire. I mean, he's he knows Boise. He knows how it works. He's going to know how to recruit there. He's going to know what to expect. So uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I know. <clears throat> excuse me. I know uh, some people wanted Kellen Moore, but I like Avalos here. Um, been a coach. He's been a coach longer. He knows the Boise program well, and he's known to be good in recruiting. He helped land some of those, those guys that they just landed in some good classes at Oregon. Um, I'd be happy if I was a Boise fan, getting some youthful energy, get, maybe get back to a new year's six bowl. Um, I think I'd be, I'd be happy. Yeah, for sure. There's, I, I don't think, I feel like this is unanimously seen as a good hire. Like, uh, Kellen Moore would have been exciting too, no doubt yeah. about it. And I would be, I would have been pumped if I was a Boise fan, we got Kellen Moore, but I don't think there was a wrong choice between these couple these guys here. They had they had some good options. Agreed. Um, there's also there's a lot of other news out there: transfers, NFL draft declarations, some coordinator hires just yeah. flooding the la- flooding in the last few days. We're going to save that for for an off season episode. We got a long off season to go, so we'll go go over all those maybe in a few weeks here. Uh, but that'll do it. Fall some more. Yeah, exactly. Um, see what happens at Tennessee. Are they going to keep Jeremy Pruitt? I don't know. Got me, dude. We'll be well. Come on, Ryan. Put your <laughs> cap on and report the, the czar. Yeah. Put my uh, Suryat cap on. <laughs> we know one of us needs to just become Suryat this off. Yeah. <laughs> well, right now, why don't we just say sources are saying that? Yeah, Jeremy sources Pruitt, are telling me you're full he's of crap. Be fired, and they've already there's already a deal in place with Hugh Freeze. Yeah. <laughs> so like there you go. If we yeah. tweet that, we're gonna get so much attention. We need to do this. Let's do it. All right. Well, that'll do it for the College Football Bros podcast. Uh, Be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Uh, We're going to be doing our Golden Bros episode next week. So we're going to list all the, give our awards for all the top performers of 2020. We think we're going to do a a vote for the listeners as well. We're going to have a fourth bros vote. So uh, be on the lookout on our Twitter. If if I can figure figure it out, maybe we'll post a Google Forms leak link for you guys to vote and uh have a say in the the golden bros which is better than the home depot awards in my opinion clearly uh again subscribe on patreon as well like i said we've we're giving our thoughts on 2021 in our latest episode and we will talk to you next week roll tide (laughs) roll tide you've been listening to the college football bros if you have any questions for the next podcast Email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, 
Like them on Facebook at College Football Bros. Follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros. And for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.